Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. This just so happens to be my show. The phone number, if you'd like to be a part of it, 877-973-7425. Really am delighted to have you with me. We got a lot of stuff to get through because I am behind on on, (laughs) all the stuff I was going to talk about in the last hour, which is fine because it gives me a spillover effect. Although I do have to tell you, someone put up this tweet and I got to read it to you because it kind of sums up my life right now. Brain cells die, skin cells die, even hair cells die. But the fat cells in my stomach must have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because they seem to have eternal life. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. Now, I, I got I to gotta talk, talk to you about the story uh, from Gallup, from Gallup polling. You know, Gallup stopped doing the presidential polling for a while because They're like the most uh, reasonable pollster out there. They screwed it up and decided, you know what? Uh, Our polling was so bad in, I think it was 2016. Their polling was so bad that uh, they just decided we got to step out for a while and figure out what's going on. And they've been tweaking their polling, running models. And, but what they have done, they've got some historic surveys they've always done. Gallup has never not done job approval surveys. Job approval surveys are, are kind of easier to do than uh, who are you going to vote for surveys because who are you going to vote for depends on a lot of different modeling factors. You can just call registered voters in America and, and what do you think of the president and, and do mobile phones and, and the like, and you're going to get a pretty good sampling over time. There's a problem here, and it's the one I've been warning people about. It's the one I've been warning Democrats about. And listen, I, I got to tell you, Um, my job here is not to be the partisan cheerleader. I can be, I am a conservative. I was an elected Republican, but my job here is to cover the news and cover it and provide you an analysis of the news. Uh, I, am not a host. I used to be, and and over time, I've just kind of grown up to a degree. I don't want to tell you what to think. I'll give you what I think. I'll give you the news. I'll give you the analysis. And if you're going to email me and say, oh, you're just helping the other side, that's not my job. My my job is not to help the other side. My job is to just tell you what's going on with the news. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Blame the news. Don't blame me. Blame the, blame the Democrats or Republicans. Don't blame me. Uh, I, I, I'm here to try to at least give you all the information so that you can make up your own mind about stuff. And one of these issues is just how bad it's going to be in November for the Democrats, and they don't seem to see it coming. They are so epistemically convinced that January 6th is the be-all, end-all of it, and no right-thinking American will vote for the Republicans because of what happened on January 6th, that they are toast. I'm going to read you this from Gallup. With less than five months to go before voters elect all members of the House of Representatives and one-third of the Senate, the current Democratic congressional majority is facing an extremely unfavorable election environment. The party of the president typically loses U.S. House seats in midterm elections, an average of 23 since 1974. However, 2022 is not shaping up to be an average year. Rather, as of May, Gallup finds presidential job approval and three other key national mood indicators well below the historic averages measured in past midterm election years. On their own, these numbers would all predict a greater than average loss of seats for the Democrats. 
Gallup's latest poll from May 2nd to 22nd survey finds 41% of Americans approving of the job President Biden is doing, 18% approving of the job Congress is doing, 16% satisfied with the way things are going in the United States, and a 32 percentage point deficit in positive versus negative ratings on the current economic conditions. 14% of Americans find the economy positive, 46% find it overall negative. Each of these metrics is at least 10 points lower than the historic average at the time of past midterm elections. Most are on pace to be the worst of such readings in Gallup polling history. That's bad. Let me give you the polling numbers of presidential approval. The average from 1974 to 2018 for midterm election year presidential approval is 51. In 1974, Gerald Ford had a 54% approval rating. A lot of that was just the goodwill of Ford taking over from Nixon. Didn't help the Republicans much that year. In 1978, Jimmy Carter had a 49% approval rating. In 1982, Ronald Reagan, his first term, had a 42% approval rating. But in 1986, Reagan had a 63% approval rating. 1990, George H.W. Bush had a 58% approval rating. In 1994, when the Republicans took Congress for the first time in 40 years, Bill Clinton had a 46% approval rating, but rebounded to a 66% approval rating in 1998. In 2002, when George Bush and the Republicans not only held the House but took the Senate back, he had a 63% approval rating in the midterms. In 2006... George W. Bush had a 38% approval rating and the Republicans lost everything. In 2010, Barack Obama had a 45% approval rating when the Republicans took back Congress. And in 2014, he had a 44% when the Republicans took back the Senate, held the House. In 2018, when the Democrats took back the House of Representatives and made gains in the Senate, Remember, the Republicans had made such big gains. It was hard for the Democrats to take it back until uh, 2018, and they couldn't. They made gains, but it took them to 2020 to take it back. The Trump uh, approval rating was 41%. Where is the Biden number? 41%. And the Gallup poll tied with Trump. The problem here for the Democrats is that in the polling average, not just Gallup, but in the polling average, Joe Biden is at the lowest approval rating of any president in American history at a midterm. Joe Biden's average approval rating right now is lower than Jimmy Carter's in 1978. Joe Biden's approval rating right now in the country is lower than Donald Trump's. In fact, uh, Donald Trump's favorable rating in the country right now as it exists is a 44% favorable rating. Joe Biden's personal approval rating is at 43%, a point less than Trump. But his job approval rating in the polling average is 39.9%. 
Joe Biden's approval in the NPR PBS poll is 39%. In the Quinnipiac poll, 35%. In the Investors Business Daily tip poll, 37%. In the Politico poll, 40%. In the Reuters Ipsos poll, 39%. In fact, again, this is this is part of the problem here. In the Fox News poll, Joe Biden does better in the Fox News poll than anyone but the YouGov poll. The YouGov poll has him at 44%. The YouGov poll is not widely taken as a credible poll by Democrats or Republicans these days that it is too skewed to the Democrats. The Fox News poll is the one the Democrats love these days. The Fox News poll, of all things, the Fox News poll is the poll the Democrats love. It's got Joe Biden at a 43% approval rating. That's higher than everybody else's poll out there. Fox News has Joe Biden doing a better job than anybody else. The problem is this same Fox News poll shows a majority of Americans would prefer Republicans to control Congress and that Republicans would do a better job preserving democracy. Now, back to the Gallup numbers, just so you understand what's going on here. Uh, In 2018, when uh, the Democrats took back the House under Donald Trump, Congress had a 21% approval rating. It's now down to 18%. The more remarkable thing is that in 2018, with Donald Trump in charge, uh, the satisfaction rate, the number of Americans satisfied with the direction of the country was 33%. 33 percent. It's now 16 percent. That's the lowest number Gallup has ever recorded for a president. On the net positive conditions of the country, do you think the country's uh, economically positive or negative? It's negative 32. That's the worst it's been. The second worst was 2010 when it was negative 31 under Barack Obama. Even under Donald Trump, um, there was a a plus 43% approval of the economic conditions of the country. There was only satisfaction about the, only a third of Americans were satisfied with the direction of the country, but 43% of the country, a majority or 43% more people thought that the country was headed in the right direction than the wrong direction. Now 32% more people think the country's headed in a negative direction than a positive direction. That's really, really, really bad. It's really bad. I mean, Joe Biden's approval ratings and direction of the country ratings and economic ratings are the worst that have ever been recorded for a president in the history of the Gallup poll. Put it another way, Joe Biden is doing worse in the midterms than either Jimmy Carter or George H.W. Bush or Donald Trump, the last three American presidents to serve only one term. Joe Biden is outperforming all three of them in terms of bad polling. The Democrats, the best they can do is January 6th, January 6th, January 6th. That's not going to help them because Americans don't care about this stuff when you're dealing with a situation where they're hungry and their pocketbooks hurt. 
When Americans are hungry and their pocketbooks hurt, they don't care about saving Congress. They blame Congress. I mean, my gosh, Congress has an 18% approval rating right now. The Democrats control both houses. Uh, when Congress says you must care about something and only 18% of Americans think Congress is doing a good job, you tend to do the exact opposite. It's what the, uh, the, the January 6th people forget. It's what the Democrats forget. These are just the fundamentals, and I sound like a broken record. I, I've, this is my third hour today talking about this stuff. I haven't meant to go this long, but it's important that everybody understands what's going on right now because the Democrats clearly do not. And the reason they don't, honestly, if I had to guess, it actually isn't their bubble. If I had to guess, it's not that the Democrats are in a bubble it's not that they're being told this is what matters. What I really fundamentally truly believe is going on is that the Democrats think they got nothing else. They might as well talk about this because nothing else is working for them. They're ideologically not going to pump more oil, so they're not going to solve inflation, so they're not going to solve the energy crisis, so they're not going to lower prices, so they're not going to fix the supply chain. So they might as well talk about this. At least if they talk about January 6th, they might be able to turn out some Democratic voters and mitigate some of the damage. That's what all of this is about. This has nothing to do with persuading people. Despite what the media says, it's not about persuasion. It's about turnout. They need to inspire as many Democrats as possible to turn out in November. So they're ramping up the talk about January 6th. The problem for them is that in so doing, they're converting a lot of Democrats if not into Republicans, into independent voters, and there's going to be hell to pay with those people. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, more importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, you can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it. And I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member Finra. Pacific. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. This is a real thing that's happening. I mentioned, I know a couple people it happened to. I thought it was isolated, but on Twitter, I'm getting lots of responses from lots of people around the country. You know, the IRS to stimulate uh, economic growth and help families gave 
out uh, child tax credit payments to families. You got checks in the mail from the government. And they use your 2021 tax estimates to do it. And now a lot of Americans around the country are getting letters from the IRS saying the IRS overpaid them and they want their money back. This is going to cause real problems for one of the two political parties come November. And it's not going to be the party out of power. Um, You know, a lot of people are convinced there are conspiracies out there and, and like the, the deep state conspiracies, the right talks about that, that the deep state is out there. There, yeah, there are definitely partisans within the government who are agitating for Democrats, but too often uh, what's really going on here is incompetence and people are confusing incompetence for a conspiracy. I forget who it was who came up with the rules to understand uh, government and one of them was um, that uh, you should always expect that uh, government will operate as if your opponents are in charge of it, uh, when really it's just highly incompetent people in charge, uh, not the best and brightest, even at the IRS these days. And they have apparently given out lots of money to lots of Americans. And now when people are actually filing their taxes, they're getting letters in the mail saying, hey, you've got to now reimburse us because we're the ones who screwed up and paid you too much money. That's going to be a political nightmare uh, for uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats. One person actually replied to me and said, uh, like a good law-abiding citizen, I paid the money to the IRS that they said I owed, and then they sent about half of it back and said that they screwed that up too. Wow. All these little things fly under the radar. You know, one of the things that's not flying under the radar is uh, the Abbott um, baby formula uh, factory. It's been shut down again. Uh, In the hot weather and with some other issues, they shut it down again, uh, which is going to exacerbate the formula shortages. You know, there are Democrats out there right now, really, inside the White House, there are Democrats who really do believe that oil companies and companies like Abbott are doing this sort of stuff to spite the Democrats. They're doing it to cost the Democrats the election. Nothing could be further from the truth. But it's what they're doing, and, and the White House, by being so silly about this stuff, is not helping their case. Here's the idiot White House press secretary. We are we are calling on them to do the right thing, to be patriots here, uh, and not to use the war uh, as an excuse or as a as a reason uh, to not put to not put out a production, not to not do the capacity that is needed out there, uh, so that the prices can so that the prices can come down. Uh, right. At the same time, uh, she's saying this is an exchange she just had with Peter Ducey at the White House on the exact same topic. With Let's our uh, clean energy. So I know the president once said that he was going to end fossil fuel. Is that now off the table? No, we are going to continue uh, to move forward with our uh, clean energy uh, proposal, our climate change uh, and, and so proposal. Is that, is that a priority? So you, climate I, change I, over gas. No, prices? that's not what we're saying. We're what saying we're saying that we're saying. I'm answering. I'm answering the question. Uh, so. They still want to get rid of oil and natural gas. They want them to produce more, invest more, and not get their money back uh, through their long-term investments. That's not how any of this do. They even know 
how oil and gas works. It's about 20 years to get your money back in investments. Now, when you say you're going to put them out of business in the next 10 years, they're not going to invest. Do they understand this? Do they at all understand? Apparently, they don't. Uh, they, they don't, and they're making matters worse because they're, it's actual willful ignorance at the White House. They don't care to understand because they want to shut the industry down. And the result is now they've concocted their own conspiracy theory that the oil companies are being willful in this to make them lose. doesn't matter. They're going to lose. It doesn't matter if there's a conspiracy or not. There's not, though. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Uh, real quick before I get back to phones, and, and I will here in just a second, I got to tip you off on something. There are a number of progressives and Democrats out there claiming that uh, actually the Biden administration is producing more oil than was produced in the Trump administration. I've gotten this in comments on Instagram. I've gotten this on Twitter. It's actually a misleading statistic. It was pushed out by White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain, and Democrats have regurgitated it as truth. But, you know, there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. What actually happened is the Ron Klain chart shows total oil produced in a presidential term. And they forget that in 2020 and 2021, due to the COVID shutdown, a lot of oil and gas producers stopped. If you actually look at Donald, the oil produced in Donald Trump's first term up until the months in 2020 and 2021, uh, he was far outpacing monthly output of any time during the Biden administration. The Washington Free Beacon has the actual month-to-month chart, and you could see that there was a decline in the production of oil during the Obama administration. And starting in January of 2017, the Trump administration began revving up the output, and uh, that output uh, was revved up all the way to 2020. Uh, where we were producing over uh, 125,000 barrels of oil a day, uh, and uh, it dropped precipitously because of the shutdown and has never actually gotten back to the amount of oil produced each day domestically under the Trump administration. So when Democrats tell you that the Biden administration is producing more domestic barrels of oil a day than the Trump administration You need to tell them that they're actually fudging the statistics because up until the COVID shutdown in 2020, the Obama administration and the Biden administration combined were not producing as many barrels of oil a day as the Trump administration. That's just the truth. I mean, if we're going to if we're going to talk about it, um, you we need to actually talk about the truth, not the spin. Now, back to the phones we go. Frank, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, I like how you're doing. Good. How are you? Great. Glad to get on the show. Thank you. Um, well, I totally believe that, uh, you know, the January 6th insurrection is a big talking point for the Democrats. Don't you think that it's probably even more important that they're using it as a way to hopefully get Trump convicted of something to prevent him from ever running again? Oh, I think they're trying to get him indicted. Uh, I, I think they're trying to do the work of the attorney general for him, build a case for the Justice Department, and then hand over the case file and say, uh, see here, we've got all this evidence you need to indict Donald Trump. 
the problem for them, as I'm sure you know, as, as other people know, is, is there's no cross-examination of any of these witnesses. So they're being put forward in the most favorable eye for the January 6th committee without any cross-reference. So, for example, big story this morning, it broke that uh, it appeared that John Eastman, President Trump's lawyer who tried to say Vice President Pence could have suspended the Electoral College, could have ignored the vote, that he had a source in the Supreme Court who told him uh, that there was a big fight over these things. Now, by the time the committee began meeting today, there were already several people, including a CNN legal analyst, who pointed out this could not have been so because all of the cases had already been dismissed by the Supreme Court. There were no cases pending in the Supreme Court for there to be an argument. But immediately, members of the media did what the Democrats wanted them to do, and they said, oh, Clarence Thomas must be the source. Clarence and Jenny Thomas, they're involved in the coup in the country, overthrowing the government. This is all about Clarence Thomas. Well, now it's come out in the testimony from Mike Pence's lawyer, who is testifying right now, that actually uh, John Eastman admitted in private, this is Donald Trump's lawyer, who argued that Mike Pence could refuse to certify the Electoral College, unilaterally do it that John Eastman in private admitted to Mike Pence's counsel that that was not an argument that would have any weight in the Supreme Court and it would be thrown out nine to nothing. Uh, and it's true. Mike Pence's counsel, his name is Greg Jacob. This is a tweet from John McCormick. Uh, he was asked, he asked John Eastman how the Supreme Court could rule if Pence did what the Trump team wanted, Jacob said Eastman initially said Trump would lose seven to two before conceding. Well, yeah, you're right. We'd lose nine nothing. Um, here we go. This is it. Well, let me rearrange my audio here so you can hear him in his own words. We had an extended discussion, an hour and a half to two hours on January 5th. Um, and when I pressed him on the point, I said, John, if the vice president did what you were asking him to do, we would lose nine to nothing in the Supreme Court, wouldn't we? Um, and he initially started it, well, I think maybe you would lose only seven to two. Um, and after some further discussion, acknowledged, well, yeah, you're right. We would lose nine nothing. Um, we would lose nine nothing. So in other words, it's an acknowledgement that the great Clarence Thomas conspiracy, uh, there's no there there. Now, let me take another phone call here. Steve, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How you doing? Good. How about yourself? Good, good. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. You too. Yeah, thank you. I just had a couple of comments, and uh, I early voted today in Georgia here, and uh, as you know, uh, we got a runoff going on, and I think this is the last day or two to early vote, so just wanted to get that out there. Uh uh, it's not crowded. Uh, you can go right in and uh, easy to vote. Um, and uh, other example I had of a different example of my son-in-law was years ago. He was in his apartment and um, heard heard the door kind of get cracked or something. And he heard some noise and he was shaving in there. And uh, what happened was uh, he looked out the, in the hallway there and. Uh, uh, Somebody had broken in and had a he had a weapon, not my brother-in-law, I mean my son-in-law, but the perpetrator had a had a weapon. I 
but anyway, my my son in law got shot, shot in the leg. Fortunately, he he was he was okay and uh, had to go to the hospital and stuff. But he owned no weapons at that time, and uh, but now he after that he got a he bought a pistol. He took uh, he you know he took uh, shooting range uh, training, and now he carries uh, he camps he camps on him and my my daughter. They camp and uh, he takes a gun if he if he wants you know, if he walks around if he camps and uh, he just learned uh, learned that way that hey I didn't have any way to protect myself but uh, just wanted to, to pass that on and uh, uh, we have weapons too and we, we get training uh, just because uh, you think it's the right thing to do so uh, yeah and look I, I gotta say and Steve I'm I'm glad you glad you called in and talked about this let, let me just um, I'll I was going to talk about critical race theory, but I, I think this is probably more important. If you call 911, if someone is breaking into your home and you call 911, the person can probably be in your home before you're off the phone with 911. And even if they're not, by the time 911 dispatches a police officer to you, assuming your police department has the fuel budget to be able to fill up the car to get them there, you're, you may be dead. This is a reality my family has had to deal with, having people show up at our home. Don't mean to make light of it. I don't want to be flippant with it. I just want you to know that um, the police are not under a legal obligation to protect you. The Supreme Court has said so. You got to protect yourself. I am not someone who likes guns. I don't. And because I don't like guns, I'm scared of guns. I don't want my kids around guns. We've actually ourselves and with our children done training so that we can be around guns and be smart around guns. You hear about kids in homes getting shot with guns. It's because it's people who never got the training and don't have the knowledge. You don't leave loaded handguns around your house unless you're an idiot. You can leave magazines around the house with with, uh, ammunition in them separate from the guns. Or you can put guns in a locked case that you can get to with your fingerprint or something. You don't just leave loaded handguns around your house. And if you do leave a loaded handgun around your house, you don't do it with small kids and you remind your children that it's a loaded firearm and you treat all guns loaded or not as if it's loaded and you teach your children responsible skills. You may not like that. It may scare you. It may upset you. It may worry you. But when the person comes to kick in your front door and do you harm, you will thank God that you had a firearm and knew how to use it. You will thank God that you did not have to run into a room and try to barricade yourself in and remember that your cell phone is in the other room so you can't call 911 for help. There are plenty of responsible instructors out there call your local gun range see if they have a recommendation for someone who can teach you responsible gun safety it's it's no easy thing i don't like it i don't like having guns in my house i support the second amendment i'm a big second amendment advocate i don't like guns i don't like have the having the power in the palm of my hand to take someone's life 
but I know I have to have that for the safety of my family. And it's not just me because I'm I'm in some way a mild celebrity who people know and have had people show up at my house. I mean, you just had a caller on this program who had someone break into a son's house or apartment with a firearm and shot him. Thankfully, the son survived. But you got to, I, I recommend people learn how to use guns, particularly in our culture, because there are more guns than people. You should be teaching your kids responsible firearm safety, because while you may not have a gun, the odds are your kid is going to go to a friend's house and the friend's family is going to have a gun. And you want your child to be able to know what's going on around that, too. You, you got to be responsible for your own safety. Again, there is no constitutional right for, of the police to protect you. The Supreme Court has said uh, the police are under no obligation to protect you. You protect yourself. And the way you do it is you learn how to be a responsible gun owner. Now, back to the phones here. Uh, Tyson, you get to be the last caller today. How are you? Great, Eric. Hey, really quick. Every time you talk about Omaha Steaks, your voice changes. I just want to put that out there, that you (laughs) salivate when you talk. It's food. Have you seen me? Hey, I uh, want to know what you're cooking. What you're cooking for Father's Day? I'm trying to figure out what. I'll, I'll be forced to cook. What am? What I have to cook? I, well, you, you know, I I don't know that I'm. Well, you know, I am having people come over on Sunday night uh, on the front porch for Father's Day. Some friends of mine for bourbon and cigars. I'm actually so I'm leaving tomorrow right after the show. I'm flying to Louisiana. I'm going to take my parents out for uh, lunch on Saturday and then come home early on Sunday to be with my family for Father's Day. And uh, they will probably wind up cooking for me. I will tell you though, the thing that I was thinking of cooking this weekend um, is I've got a I've got a quesadilla recipe. I actually emailed it out yesterday, and it's really good. And I've been craving them. Uh, but what will more likely than not happen, Tyson, if I'm very honest with it, my kids have been wanting me to make my chicken finger recipe, and so I will probably be on my grill in the backyard, uh, frying French fries and making chicken fingers. And I'm totally fine with that as well because if I do that then I'm going to make shrimp tacos for Sunday night when people come over on the front porch. There we go. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah, you know, so yeah, look, I'll let you go there. I'll just say when I break out the fryer and I'm frying, uh, if I've got the oil out and and I'm doing one thing for the kids and I'm doing French fries and stuff, I'm like, you know, this is a night for shrimp tacos because there's this restaurant. It used to be right by my office, and, and they closed down the pandemic. They've never reopened, uh, but they had these tacos. And the tacos, if I'm honest, they were overpriced, but they had fried shrimp tacos, and it took me a long time to kind of master the recipe, the little um, spicy chili sauce they put on top as well. And, and I finally got a mastered. They're a hit with all my friends. They're nice, crunchy, crispy fried shrimp. And if I'm frying fries for my kids and making chicken fingers, I'm like, you know what? I, I can also, I can do the shrimp. And after the chicken and the fries are done, because you don't want to do seafood before you do anything else. Otherwise, everything else tastes like seafood. But you do seafood at the end and you make your, your shrimp tacos. If you guys want my recipes, by the way, text the word recipe to 33777. I'll send you back a link to the Substack where I keep all those recipes. And you can subscribe and get them in your inbox every week as well. Now... Speaking of frying, if I fry inside the house, we don't have a, a an exhaust fan, so I got to use my Eden Pure Thunderstorm to wipe out the fry odors, and it works. 
In fact, I'm going to my parents tomorrow, as I mentioned, and I'm going to have one in my suitcase with me because the last time I was there, the rental car had really smoky, nasty, smoky odors in it. And I didn't want my mom and dad to have to be in the stinky rental car with me. And so I just plugged the Eden Pure Thunderstorm in with a USB cord. into It had a USB outlet in, in the car, and you've got one on the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, and I was able to power it up and get rid of the odors in the car and it just works it gets rid of the dust and the pollen and the mold as well but it also gets rid of the odors it doesn't mask them it eliminates them you can get three of them by going to edenpuredeals.com and putting eric e-r-i-c-k three in the discount code box that appears on the website eric three you get three eden pure thunderstorms for less than two hundred dollars now normally if you were to buy them one at a time each one costs over a hundred dollars but you can get three of them now for less than two hundred dollars you're saving about two hundred dollars in the process and you get free shipping you go to edenpuredeals.com the discount code is eric three e-r-i-c-k three it eliminates odors, doesn't mask them, it eliminates them, and it gets rid of all the stuff floating in the air. It's filterless. You just wipe it out on occasion. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. So I went in December and got PXG golf clubs. Um, they're like really top of the line. Yeah, I spent about three hours with them for the fitting. I've never spent that long getting golf clubs fitted. And um, I'm bad at golf. And they actually particularly the wedge I'm, I'm just i'm such a bad golfer but with the wedges the wedges i'm i'm hitting the wedges but everything man it just i suck um but now i think i'm gonna have to go make, get some tailor-made golf clubs <laughs> so the u.s open starts uh up in boston the the golf tournament and tailor-made is making all of their british players play with golf bags commemorating the American Revolution. <laughs> uh, my, my buddy Leland Vittard from News Nation sent me this this uh, link to this. Uh, the the Rory McElroy put up this tweet, going to be a great week for sports in Boston. I have two tickets to the U.S. Open, tickets to the Red Sox game, and the signed bag for one lucky Boston fan. And when you look at it, um, it's it's the um, Rory McElroy Taylor made. It's got April 18, 1775 on it, which was the date of Paul Revere's ride. Um, it's got two lanterns on it, one if by land, two if by sea. And uh, Taylor made then push this out. Our our latest major bag and accessories kit pays homage to the birthplace of the American Revolution and the events that shaped a nation. All our players will play with the bag in Boston, and they got several of the British players, and they're all playing uh, with bags commemorating the American Revolution. Good for them. Good, good make make the Brits uh, take the loss. <laughs> It's actually not a bad looking bag, but I got to say, um, I don't like those giant golf bags. I, I like my, I like my little golf bag. It's got my clubs and, and plenty of balls, my golf glove in it, uh, tees. And I don't understand why you need this massive ginormous golf bag. I guess we have specialty clubs that you use. I have no idea. I'm not that good of a golfer, but I'd never have a bag that big. Even if I was, unless I had a caddy full time, I could make Philip be the caddy all the time. Probably. In any event, I will talk to you guys tomorrow. You guys have a great afternoon. I'm going to go play golf.